0: You are listening to a Hillbilly Horror Stories classic episode.
1: Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Now welcome your host, Jenny Polly and his lovely wife Tracy. I hear she's a lovely girl. (laughs)
0: If you want me, mm-hmm. I saw the pipe. Pipe. If the answer is no, Oh my sweetness not three times means you meet, meet me in, in the hallway.
1: This is Dakota and you're listening to my grandma and grandpa on Hillbilly Horror Stories.
0: All right, everybody, and welcome to a very special 30th edition of Hillbilly Horror Stories. Uh, I'm Jerry, and that's Tracy beside me.
1: Hola, cómo está?
0: I'm not sure that meant anything, but it
1: meant, it meant hello. How are you?
0: Okay, well, I'll ta- me. I'll take your word for it. Okay. Some of some of our Hispanic listeners can tell us if that's what act- that actually meant.
1: Be ready to be amazed.
0: Um, the introduction you heard is from our adorable little granddaughter Dakota, and. Uh, She did a fantastic job. We've got another granddaughter, and I tried to get her to say a little something, but I could only get one word out of her, and after you hear it, you will definitely know she's a member of this family. And uh, here she is. Poop. That's right. For all of you keeping score at home, she said poop. She could have said any word in the world, and she chose poop.
1: She likes to talk about poop for some reason. I'm not sure just why, but we still love her.
0: And in case you have any uh, declarations about Tracy being country as... uh, I was going to say fuck, but that was a bad word. You can't um, say that. She said poop. (laughs)
1: She said
0: poop. (laughs) Guys, you're probably wondering, why are we playing Tony Orlando uh, in the beginning with the knock three times? But it's because we have a really cool story to tell you about tonight. It's actually more of a, um, I guess you could say a superstition than a story. But we've got a bunch of little stories that go along with it. Uh, but it's called. It's about Death Knocks. I don't know how many people are familiar with it, but we're going to tell you about that. And then we're going to talk about the Stanley Hotel, which uh, has several ghosts and a, a famous book that came from, from it. We also have an interview uh, with the Haunted Explorers. They're a ghost hunting crew out of Las Vegas. And we're going to tell you a story about sleep paralysis from a listener who just found the show and heard our episode and had a really cool story. So we have a jam-packed episode for you tonight.
1: Exciting. I can't wait.
0: So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Um, I want to cu- do a couple of shout outs first because I know we've been doing them kind of at the end of the night, but I want to go ahead and do some of these in the beginning. Uh, first one, this was one I overlooked. She interacts with us on the Facebook page all the time, and I don't know why I haven't done it yet. It's just an oversight on my fault. Um, so, Priscilla Gordon, thank you so much for being so active on our Facebook page and being a great listener. And sorry that it took me so long to get you a shout out.
1: Yay, Priscilla.
0: Uh, Another one that that I probably should have already done, and I think we've done a shout out, but I want to give some extra recognition, is Robert Burton. Uh, Robert actually has taken it upon himself to volunteer and do some research on a bunch of different stories from around the world because we've got listeners from around the world. And I want to try to get uh, some kind of story at least close to home. Last week we did the Japanese uh, suicide forced and and that 's uh, that gives something for our japanese but we 've got several other countries such as australia india Canada, and Roberts is actually helping us uh, locate some cool stories from all around the world that we can start using
1: that 's amazing thank you so much i can 't wait to hear what you got
0: i 've got uh, this is kind of funny amanda Degrassi. i hope i 'm doing that right but uh, amanda um, actually reached out to me on Twitter because I sent her a request and said, hey, listen to the show. And she's like, hey, um, I already listened to the show, bitch. <laughs> she, well, she didn't say that, but uh, <laughs> she said she was already a listener. So I had some cool conversation with her yesterday. Nice. That's If you guys l- join us on Twitter, uh, I man that. So um, I respond. I get several direct messages every day and tweets, and we respond to all of them. But I highly advise everybody to join our Facebook page. It's not a group. It's just a page. But we do a lot of fun stuff, and we interact with you guys a lot on there. So if you want to talk to us and send suggestions or just talk about what's going on in sports or whatever, we talk to everybody who wants to talk to us. So uh, it's a cool way to interact with the show and know what's coming up uh, for upcoming shows. With that being said, I do have one request, and, and this is something that I do. Um, Last couple of shows, if I hear a podcast that I really like, especially if it's an up-and-coming podcast, I try to get the word out there. I did it uh, last week for uh, uh, Don't Break the Oath. Uh, Them guys were very thankful for you guys that gave them an opportunity, and we're going to do it again this week. I got a couple of young ladies, Em and Christine, and they have a podcast. They're only on their, I think the sixth episode came out today, maybe the fifth, and it's called And That's Why We Drink. These young ladies are very funny. And they're, they're getting their feet underneath of them. They're starting to get listeners and uh, they're really a fun listen so Mm -hmm. uh, give them an opportunity and I think you'll be surprised and uh, let's grow with them I think uh, as they go on they're going to get better and better you can already see it if you listen to episode one and listen to the last one it's been noticeable uh, improvement it's tough when you're first starting out doing this and it takes a while to get used to having a microphone stuck in front of your face and get that comfort level but uh, they're doing a fabulous job and and I hope all you will give them a listen and see what you think
1: and I like the name of their show too. It's pretty, pretty awesome. They
0: have some, uh, their, their graphic, their logo is awesome. it's, uh, look, yeah, it's, it's very cool. It's, it's made like a Ouija board, but it spells out, uh, and that's why we drink. So it's, if nothing else, it's worth checking out just for the graphics. It's
1: got it. blood and guts all over it. It
0: does not have blood and guts all over it. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy's in one of those moods today, so there's no telling how this is going to no. turn out. So let's talk a little bit about Death Knox. Now, I wanted to talk about this subject because I've actually known about this for a very long time, several years. But when I talk to people about it, it seems like nobody that I've talked to has ever heard of this before. And, you know, we're going to start off with, with the way I've always understood it. And I've learned as, as I've started researching this. But I've always had situations to where and, – and just think about this and see if you've been in this same situation. Have you ever been asleep, you hear three pounds on the door – it sounds like, uh, just think about like, what it would sound like on a castle door with the echo, you know, the boom, boom, boom. Have you ever heard that and just woke up in the middle of the night thinking there's somebody knocking on a door and then there's nobody there? I've actually had this happen two, three, four times and then actually went to the door because it was that realistic to realize there was nobody there. So was it something I was just imagining? I don't know because the, when I started looking into it, I found out that there's actually a phenomenon called death knocks. Now, this goes all the way back to the 1800s, uh, where people would swear that if you hear three knocks on the door or anywhere, and it doesn't have to be in the middle of the night, this could be while you're awake, but they call it the three knocks of death or death knocks. And what that supposedly say, there's different, different variations of the story, but a lot of times people will hear this, and within sometimes minutes, They hear that somebody they they know and love have passed away. It could be a friend, family member. Sometimes it's, you know, some people will tell you that it's either three days, three weeks, or three months to the day you hear it, somebody's going to pass away. So there's the different variations. But I've got a bunch of stories that actually collaborate with this, and I thought I'd share these with you guys. So here's the first one. This is actually from uh, uh, a gentleman named Hensix in upstate New York. But he says, when I was 15 years old in 1965, I lived out in the country in a small town called Gasport. One cold and very snowy evening, we all were gathered in the living room around the television when we suddenly heard a loud pounding on the front entry door. The door was sealed with weather stripping in the winter, for the winter, and we never opened it. It was in a dark place, didn't have any kind of lighting, so nobody goes there. The pounding was so loud that my mother went out to the side door uh, to see whoever was knocking to walk over to the side door. Tell him to come over to the side door. (laughs) Whatever. She called again, and there was no answer. She turned on the outside light over the front door and peered out the window, and there was nobody there. She went out and looked. There was no marks in the snow where anybody had been walking over there. So it seemed very odd that somebody could be, you know, out there since there was no footprints in the fresh snow. My dad, being a skeptic, he suggested the noise was wind blowing something against the door. The next morning, we got a call that our Uncle Charlie had passed away unexpectedly. So that's one of those stories. Here's another one. As a child at the age of eight I was in care of my German grandma. I'd been drawing at the kitchen table my grandparents farmhouse during the summer break. My grandmother was jarring preserves and when we were both startled by three loud knocks that seemed to come from nowhere and yet everywhere all at the same time. My grandmother had turned and, and said nothing for a few minutes. She quickly took me outside to play Nothing was ever said about it, and you know the only remained it only remained in my memory because of the first uh, being startled and then being angry that I was taken away from my drawing. What a gritty little punk! Hmm. I later learned many years that my grandmother's sister passed away that evening from a heart-related ailment. Years later, my dad had called when I was home with with my partner. Hmm. My brother suffered from a long-term substance abuse addiction. And had mm-hmm. extremely hard to deal with that evening. My father went on to add that not only did he have that situation to deal with, but he thought the whole house was going to come down too because he heard three or four large bangs within the walls. My brother died from a cocaine overdose just hours later. Oh, my gosh.
1: That's crazy.
0: The last instance took place after my long-term companion pet dog fell violently ill very, very quickly one day. I had no car, but I phoned and requested a vet ambulance to come and get us. As I lay on the floor with her, there were three sharp knocks on the apartment door. I rushed to open it, but there was no one there. The vets arrived approximately 15 minutes later, but my baby girl passed away in my arms less than an hour later. That's from Christopher.
1: That's terrible. So
0: Christopher had a couple of experiences.
1: Poor thing. I don't want to hear no
0: knocks. Here's a couple more. My story begins back in the 20s when my grandmother was in the kitchen and heard three loud, loud knocks on her front door. There was no one there, but three days later learned that her mother had died back in Germany. In 73, my parents were awakened by three loud knocks on the front door. Upon inspection, there was no one there, but received a phone call about an hour later that my uncle had passed away. This was never brought up again until I was telling my uncle about the story at my father's funeral in 1979. He and his wife froze and said that they had heard three loud knocks on their storm door about the same time my father had passed away. They lived in Arizona, which was three hours away. Now, two weeks ago, my mother awoke to three loud knocks or bangs on the front door. Again, she got up and found nothing at the front door and was immediately scared because of it reminded her of the 1973 incident. Three days later, my brother was murdered in Louisiana in the early morning. The strangest fact is that at all the times a family member heard the knocks, it corresponded with the time of death, give or take an hour, of the family member. And that's from Neil. on. So, oh
1: that's so creepy
0: here's another quick one my mother and her mother have always been gifted by omens we live in a little town St. Stephen uh, New Brunswick Canada November 10th 2011 my mother heard three knocks she always said that means it takes three days three weeks or three months right to the day that something bad was going to happen usually a death well three days later her cousin shot himself in a hunting accident while hunting with his seven-year-old son
1: that is amazing so, I better be not hearing no damn knocks anywhere. And don't you be getting up in the middle of the night and knocking on the door either,
0: because that's how you roll. Well, <laughs> here's one from 1979. Miss Hughes of England heard three knocks at 11 p.m. Now, she said that she went and looked at the door, but it surprised her that it didn't surprise her that nobody was there, because she's got a really squeaky gait, and she can hear mm-hmm. when somebody comes through the gate. Thirty minutes later, two policemen told her that her husband had been killed. Uh, he got struck by a car and was killed in the road. Oh. In 1982, Miss Hughes and her daughter heard three knocks on the kitchen window. Fifteen minutes later, she found her brother uh, dead of a heart attack at the front door. But he he hadn't made it to the door to be able to be the one that knocked. Mm. So she had two incidences. Um, There's another incidence where a guy named Frank had three knocks on his uh, living room wall. And then he found out shortly later that his ex-wife committed suicide. But you can see... There's a lot of different stories. I mean, I can literally find probably 50 more stories almost instantly with these same things. Here's one with a uh, a Mr. Hannaby that two days before her dad died, I'm sorry, Miss Hannaby, two days before her dad died, she told her mom that she heard uh, three knocks and her mom said it was a sign of death and her dad died two days later.
1: Uh, Let's change the subject. This Mm -hmm. is depressing.
0: Well, let's talk about the Stanley Hotel.
1: Okay. Yeah, let's do that.
0: Uh, we'll talk about the Stanley, and then we'll do our interview with Haunted Explorers, and then we'll come back and we'll do the uh, the listener story because that's a really cool story. So we'll save that for last.
1: Well, all th- I can say is I hope you guys, none of you all, have any three knocks anywhere because that's like, got me all paranoid and stuff.
0: What if it's three knocks and it really is Tony Orlando at the door?
1: Well, but, I mean that would be awesome because I I could get down with that, but not
0: <sighs> better not happen at late at night. I'll be tying a yellow ribbon around his throat.
1: Oh, waking me up. No way.
0: I can take him. He's like old now. He's playing in his seventies.
1: <laughs> I don't know if he's still got his stash, you might have a fight. What if on he his?
0: shows up at dawn? <laughs> 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 Our younger listeners won't get that. Oh. Um Stanley Hotel. A whole bunch of cool facts about the Stanley. Normally we would have led with this, but um I didn't have any Stanley Hotel music, but I had uh <laughs> three knocks music, so we led with the door with the uh, the death knocks. Um Stanley Hotel, it's in Estes Park, Colorado, which is right at the foot of the uh, Rocky Mountain uh, National Forest. And actually, that actually had a lot to do with it, because back when it was built, it became kind of a touristy town. If it hadn't been for that hotel being built and a touristy town being there, they probably wouldn't have that park right there. So that's all part of it. Let's talk a little bit about how it came to be. Right now, it's got 420 rooms.
1: It's huge and white. Really, really white.
0: Yeah, it's got 420 rooms. Um, it was built by Freeman Freeland. I'm sorry, I don't want to mispronounce the man's name. Freeland Stanley. He opened it on the 4th of July, 1909. Now, Freeland had a twin brother named Francis, and they actually made a lot of money. These kids were very smart. When they were kids, they would build uh, whittle tops, you know, like the little spinning tops. They would whittle tops and sell them to their friends. So they were entrepreneurs from the, from the, the very beginning of their time.
1: Well, good for them.
0: And they created a product uh, called Stanley Dry Plate, and that was actually a, uh, um, I guess, a photography product that they ended up making a lot of money off of because uh, Mr. Eastman from Eastman Kodak bought it from them for a fortune, and I think it was the equivalent of something like $15 million uh, back then. And he used that for uh, what became mostly the the way photography is done today as far as uh uh, the it used to be the, a, a really long process with taking a picture, and this shortened the process tremendously. So that's how they made their money. Then they invented the Stanley Steamer.
1: Well, who knew you could make so much money cleaning carpets?
0: Um, this is a different Stanley Steamer. Oh, um, most, what do you mean? Most people probably think of Stanley Steamer, their carpet cleaning company, but the Stanley Steamer back then was an automobile. <laughs> And Mm -hmm. it had a steam engine. Oh. And uh, so when you think of like the Model T Fords and stuff like that, it's kind of like that. But it had a steam engine instead of a combustible engine. And uh, they made a lot of money off of that. Unfortunately, they were kind of stubborn and they didn't want to change with the times. And uh, as automobile companies kind of got more complex, they kind of stayed with where they were. And that was the end of that. But they made all their money and it was was no big deal anyway. Uh, But Freeland had a, a situation back in 1903 where he contracted uh, TB. And back in the day, there was no cure for TB, so they advised a lot of people to move out west. And, and uh, Colorado, because of the high altitude and the, the good clean air, was a place that a lot of people were advised to go to. Well, they were from Maine, and there was a doctor that uh, originally from Maine that was now in Colorado in that area. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, come on out, Freeland, this will be the place for you. He came out there. They got out there in uh, uh, March of that year, him and his wife, Flora, and they loved it. They just thought it was absolutely fantastic, and in June, they decided to spend the rest of the summer there, and it did wonders for him. His TB started getting a lot better, and within like three years later, he was completely cured.
1: Wow, Uh, three weeks?
0: Yeah, he ended up living to be 91, three years, about three years he was completely cured. I'm sorry if I said three weeks.
1: Oh, I was going to say, dead gone.
0: Well, back then, three, three years was still pretty miraculous. So, well, But yeah. he ended up living to be 91 years old.
1: That's amazing. So, so, and that place is so beautiful, too. Yeah.
0: So what he decided, because he liked it so much, he wanted that there was nothing here. There was, there was nothing here. Uh, he actually uh, bought the land from the very first person that lived there, which, or that had bought it, which was the, uh, uh, the Earl of Dunraven. He was the fourth Earl of Dunraven. He was from Ireland. Hmm. He came over and he actually, by trick, got a lot of that land because from being from Ireland, he wasn't allowed to get that land. They had like homesteading acts where, as long as you made an improvement on the land, you could get all these lands. But he wouldn't didn't qualify because he wasn't a U.S. citizen.
1: No kidding. So he
0: he basically paid all these people to go out there and and sit long enough to get the land, and he'd buy the land from them. Then he ended up getting like you know six thousand acres oh by my doing gosh. that. Wow. And uh, but. The Stanley had actually uh, bought the land from him mm-hmm. in 1907, uh, and decided to build this hotel. It took two years, but he wanted to make it like uh, the top of the top. This was going to be the place where anybody that had money was going yeah. to come to. Yeah, I it, mean, it had isn't, everything.
1: Isn't it kind of like in the middle of nowhere though? Yeah, right? it
0: was. In a, it's in the middle of nowhere, and uh, it's but it's a beautiful place. And they, they, he decided he wanted to make the town a resort town. Mm-hmm. And by doing that um or by putting that hotel there and making it you know the creme de la creme you know this thing had everything i mean he built a hydroelectric plant so it could have electricity which not a lot of places had back in the day wow um but yeah i mean they had running water they they had everything so this was a place where the rich people could come and enjoy it mm-hmm. and uh, he eventually went back to maine and uh, he would come there for some of the time but he you know he pretty much just left it for others to run but he loved the place he loved it when he when he would come up there and and uh He's one of the people that that they say that still today haunts the place. So you can see him well, and his he wife, Florida, be
1: able to haunt it. That was pretty amazing what he did.
0: Yeah, but it, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty incredible what what this guy was able to accomplish in his time. Now, when he originally opened up in 1909, it was only 48 rooms. Keep in mind, it's 420 rooms now. Oh so my they gosh. they've really added on to it since then. Um, now. The Stanley Hotel is extremely famous for one main reason, and it's because they had a famous author that came to stay there. Do you have any guess who that author was and what the book was?
1: Um, Dr. Seuss.
0: Um, no. Um, Why? Not unless the book was Horton. Here's a who the hell are those two creepy ass kids in the hallway? <laughs> which, which I don't think it was. Uh, it was actually Stephen King and that is where he got the inspiration for the shining
1: oh my gosh you're kidding no
0: what it was kind of funny because uh stephen king came to stay there it was like the end of the season last day of the season so there virtually was hardly anybody there he may have been the only person staying there and uh, they stayed in room 217 it was him his wife his three-year-old little boy Mm -hmm. and stephen king said he woke up in the middle of the night after a horrible dream he dreamt that his little boy was running down the uh, hallway and he looked over his shoulder, the little boy looked over his shoulder, and he was being chased by a fire hose. But I think we've all had that dream. Or if not. I don't <laughs> know.
1: I feel like I've seen that dream somewhere on TV somewhere.
0: <laughs> but that's what he said a dream was. But he said he couldn't go back to sleep, so he sat looking out the window, and he lit a cigarette. And by the time he was done with the cigarette, he had the whole basic bones of the book, The Shining.
1: You know, that's You know, when you think about that, that's pretty amazing because... The place is so beautiful. I mean, it's just gorgeous. And to think what it was like on The Shining.
0: Well, but keep it, the Shining wasn't actually shot there.
1: Oh, well, what
0: no, was that? they actually used a hotel. Uh, there was a, the outside of the hotel was up in Oregon, is what they used for the outside A picture for a hotel up in Oregon is what they used for uh, the pictures for the outside in the in the movie, and then there was a hotel in. Um, uh, Yellowstone, or Yosemite, I'm sorry, Yosemite Park. You can tell I don't write this stuff down. <laughs> but in Yosemite Park, there's a a hotel that they used for the inside. But they actually recorded it in England, and and all this was done on a set. The inside of the hotel was the inspiration from the one from Yosemite, but they actually rebuilt that on a set in England, and that's where it was filmed.
1: That is a lot of trouble. Yeah.
0: Now, the, they redid the movie a couple of years ago for a, a miniseries that they did, and they actually filmed all of that at the Stanley Hotel.
1: Well, how cool. Guess what other movie was there? What? Dumb and Dumber.
0: That's right. Dumb and Dumber was it so those of you who are sitting there saying, I wonder what this place looks like, if you've ever watched Dumb and Dumber, that was the hotel that Jim Carrey and uh which brings me to a good story after this, but Jim Carrey and, and uh uh what's his name? Uh, what's the other guy's name? Dumber. Dumber, Jim Carrey and Dumber. (laughs) What's his name? Um. (laughs) But this, the it's the hotel where they stayed at. Because remember, they pulled up in the what was the Lamborghini Lamborghini. or the Ferrari or whatever. But they pulled up there in the front. You see the big, beautiful white hotel with the red roof. That's it. What's his name? Yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, That's what IMDb's for we'll get that later. Everybody out there knows who we're talking mm, about. Yeah. Jeff. Uh, Jeff. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's his name.
1: Jeff. Daniels. Daniels. Jeff Daniels.
0: Yay. At <laughs> where we need some Jack Daniels. Um,
1: he has some crazy hair. And this
0: is why too. we drink. I'm just kidding. Wrong show.
1: <laughs> um
0: but no, it, but that was, the, you know, even the upstairs, when when he goes to the bar area, that's the bar in, in the... Yeah, uh, and he
1: comes down the big staircase.
0: Yeah, when he comes down the staircase, that's right at the main entrance of the Stanley. So, yeah, that a lot of that footage was actually shot in the Stanley Hotel, so pretty cool. Uh, but the story we got about Jim Carrey, when they were filming, he wanted to stay in room 217. And 217, obviously, is the room Stephen King stayed in. And uh, there's some hauntings that go on there. Uh, due to a young lady by the name of elizabeth wilson but we'll get to her in a minute so let's talk about jim carrey so he stays there in the middle of the night he comes running down the stairs to the front desk he's in his pajamas he says that he demands to be moved to another room immediately and he even runs outside in a panic and uh to this day he's never told anybody what he saw what happened what the problem was he just demanded to be moved to another room
1: wow what a puss.
0: So, (laughs) yeah, I've seen some of his movies. Talk about scary. Um, He's great,
1: man. I love him.
0: He's great in some stuff until he tries to be serious. Yeah. But Room 217, what's the story with Room 217? Well, there was a young lady who worked there by the name of Elizabeth Wilson. And Elizabeth Wilson uh, was basically um, the head, um, I guess you could say maid, for lack of a better term, and there was a situation we told you they had electricity in the place. Well, there was a real bad storm in 2000, uh, 2011, 1911, and it knocked the electricity out. Now, they had backups. Each room had acetylene, uh, which is a type of gas. They had acetylene lamps. Mm-hmm. Well, room 217, she walked into with a lit candle to light the, the lamps, and oh there was a, there was a gas leak. And back then... You, the gas, you know, most people, I don't know if you know this or not, uh, natural gas uh, does not have a smell to it. They add that smell that smells like rotten eggs, so you can tell if there's a leak. Uh, it doesn't naturally have a smell. It's, co- it's colorless and odorless. And back then, they weren't adding anything to it. So when she walked in, she couldn't smell anything. There was no no way of knowing. When now
1: she, she really can't smell it. Yeah.
0: That. Now she walks in with the candle It blows up, and it blows the whole uh, big hole in the floor, and she falls down two levels, two stories, to the dining room, to which they said, okay, now fix me a sandwich. (laughs) No, she falls down there. She broke several bones. They took her to the hospital. She did a full recovery. Oh,
1: my goodness.
0: And, you know, of course, Mr. Stanley, being the generous man and not, you know, wanting to adhere to workers' comp laws, he went ahead and uh, paid for everything and uh he also no and and, uh yeah you screwed my hotel up uh it burnt 10 percent of the hotel down original hotel and they said it was a type of flame i can't remember the uh uh it's like a non-combustible type fire that kind of puts itself out and had that not happened most most of the hotel would have probably been lost but they only lost 10 percent of the hotel
1: did it burn her hair off
0: i don't know i have no clue about her hair they didn't go into that kind of detail. Oh. I don't know. She still got eyebrows or any of that stuff.
1: Dang, that's amazing. She lived through that. Yep,
0: she lived through that. And uh, some of the th- stories I heard is because she was wearing like you know the people wore corsets back in the day. That her corset was so tight that it actually helped save her. I don't know how what that. What does that got to I do? Have with anything? No idea. No idea. Unless she bounced. I don't know. But <laughs> he was. He actually gave her a a job for life, and she actually worked there until in the fifties. Until she was in her 90s.
1: Oh, my gosh. So she was like there for like 40 years or something then. Yeah,
0: she was there for a very long time.
1: Wow. Um, That was very awesome of him to do that.
0: And the funny thing is, she's the type of ghost. They say she's there, and that's that's the ghost of 217 for the most part. But she does stuff like when they have guests check in, and they'll come and just leave their suitcase and stuff on the bed, and they'll go out and do something. They'll come back, and everything's put away. (gasps) And then they'll call and say, hey, thanks for putting the stuff away. That was nice. And they're like, no, we didn't do that.
1: That's, oh, my gosh. That's
0: kind of uh, Miss Wilson's signature trademark. She uh, she doesn't like a messy room, so if you leave your room messy, she tidies it up. Isn't she nice? I know. I wish she'd come haunt this house for a while.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you there. <laughs> but that's so cool.
0: She uh, the, fun, like, the other thing is, I think it's kind of funny, is if you stay in that room and you're a, a man and a woman and you're not married, supposedly she kind of gets in the middle of you. And what, so you can't spoon. Yeah, she don't want you to spoon or spork if you work for KFC. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was dating this one fat girl one time. She was so big we couldn't spoon. We had to ladle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Anyways. Anyways, so so, bad. so yeah, supposedly she gets in the middle and she'll try to prevent anything from happening because you know back in her day. But what that was mean? something. What's her. I don't think that's going to happen. This isn't a Chris Brown story or a, who was that? Not Chris Brown. Oh. Uh, Bobby Bobby Brown. Brown. Bobby Brown. Yeah, Chris Chris Brown just knocked the hell out of her. Uh, But that's the story with with room 217. Now, what about some other ghosts at the Stanley Hotel? Well, the fourth floor is supposedly haunted by children. I mean, first of all, we talked about the owner, the original owner of the land, the fourth Earl of uh, Dunraven. And it sounds so much like a damn Tim Burton movie or something. I
1: know. I was just saying, same. This a weird word. Coming
0: Memorial Day, the fourth of all of Dunkle. Um, <laughs> I mean,
1: you it's know, no, it's a weird word.
0: But um, so he supposedly uh, haunts room four oh seven. And they people said they can st- hear, you know, still smell his pipe smoke and, and a couple other things. So I don't know if he was the only person that would smoke a pipe or not, where they just assume it's him. But
1: Oh, you mean uh, that was his room, you mean? I don't
0: know if that was his room, but that for some reason that's the room they say he haunts.
1: Oh, but the children has a different room? The
0: children have room 418. They hear laughter and stuff like that all down the hallways. Oh,
1: that's nice.
0: Yeah, so nothing like having a bunch of dead children laughing in the hallways to make your trip m- more memorable. Well,
1: I mean, it's better love and laugh than, like, evil and like, I'm going to kill you. Well, bitch. that's
0: the whole thing is that everything, everybody says that the ghosts that they have there, that none of them are, you know, mean ghosts. They're all happy, happy ghosts. It's
1: just saying that that's okay. Which, that's
0: okay. Which brings us to Lucy. Uh, I don't know how she's a happy ghost, but Lucy was a young girl, approximately 13 years old and back in uh they never really gave a day for this. So who knows how true any of this is, but she was a runaway and she was staying in the basement. The basement is kind of made like a cave area. There's tunnels and stuff like that. And some maintenance men found her down there. And even though she was young, even though it was cold outside, they gave her the boot, kicked her out. Oh. It dropped below zero that night. The temperatures did. And they found her frozen, (gasps) dead. Um, So she died of exposure. Now, supposedly, she haunts haunts the uh, hotel. And she likes to close doors and open doors and shut and close cabinets. And uh, supposedly, she she can be seen in a pink dress. And there's actually a picture floating on the Internet. Look up. um, Look up. Lucy picture from Stanley hotel. And you'll actually see a picture of her in the pink dress standing there that somebody caught just, I think it was last year. It wasn't yeah, that long ago, It's
1: pretty creepy, actually. but it's a,
0: it's a pretty cool picture. Um, but that's, that's pretty much our story on the Stanley hotel. So you can kind of be your own judge. Uh, those rooms are all available. If anybody wants to rent them, I'm sure they're pretty costly, oh, but, sure. uh, but it's a pretty cool ass story. And to, to know that that's where the shining came from the inspiration. And there's several ghosts that haunt the place. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, let's don't. Let's Uh. do. We
1: got friendly (laughs) ghosts.
0: Yeah, I don't see no Casper there. Um, Let's go ahead. And we're going to do a little interview. These gentlemen are pretty cool. I'm going to give you a heads up that the sound quality is not as great on this interview. There was a little bit of problems in the beginning, but it does get better as it goes. So just kind of stick with it. These guys are out of Las Vegas. They've got about 30 years of ghost hunting experience between them. They go by the haunted explorers. They sell merchandise. They've got a Facebook page. They're on Twitter. Um, They've got a website, but they've been to some of the coolest places. We'll eventually probably get them back on again when we have our Virginia City show, which we'll do uh, somewhere down the line because they've all been there, and it'd be cool to have some some insight. But right now, let's listen to the guys from The Haunted Explorers. All right, guys, welcome back to Hillbilly Horror Stories. I've got something cool for you tonight because, as you know, we very seldom ever do interviews, but when we do, it's usually uh, something I think is really going to bring an added dimension to the show. And even though what we've interviewed in the past has been uh, podcast host and some of the good ones out there, tonight's going to be a little bit different because we actually have a group of, I guess for the lack of a better term, we'll say ghost hunters. I know not everybody uh, likes that term, but it's the Haunted Explorers out of Las Vegas. And uh, I ran across these guys and they seemed very uh, interesting to me. And I thought if they're interesting to me, you guys are going to like it too. So I wanted to bring them on the, the air. So who I've got with me tonight is Steven, Tim, and Murad. Uh, um, did I get that right, Murad? Yes, you did. Okay, awesome. Guys, tell me a little bit about, uh, about your group, uh, how many members you have, how long you've been doing this and, uh, what got you into it?
2: Uh, well, I started the Haunted Explorers almost, it's, we're going to be getting up to our fourth year, um. Uh, in march and so i started uh, about four years ago because uh, i really was just looking into starting a group that just got rid of all the whole politics of the other groups that i was involved with um, so i really just wanted to start from scratch and uh, just really get out there and just start uh, you know investigate and then just you know enjoy the the process involved in investigating instead of you know every little tidbit that needs to be you know done you know Trying to get the politics out of it and just sticking with investigating. And, uh, my whole background in, uh, investigating was, uh, I'm, I'm the type of person that just never had a personal experience. I've just always been fascinated by the paranormal and I never really did anything or went about trying to investigate or anything on my own. But, uh, finally I just decided, hey, what the heck? Let's just, I'm just going to go out and start, you know, trying some places around town. And from there I got involved another team in Vegas and worked with them for several years and you know, just one day it just came to me like you know uh you know Pawn Explorers just popped in my head day and I just need to just follow this and go with it because I don't know just something from it just popped popped up and I was just like something from this is telling me to go for and so I did uh Uh, The crew we've got out, it's been awesome to meet, you know, get them all involved and uh, places we've been going to and places we're looking forward to going to. It's just been awesome, uh, awesome ride so far.
0: Let me ask you a question real quick and jump in because you've already intrigued me. When you say, without getting too specific, because I know you don't want to step on any toes, when you say the politics of the other groups, give me an idea of what you're talking about when you say politics, because most of us out here won't have any clue because we've not been in, involved in anything like that.
2: Well, uh, I understand that like each group needs to have structure and you know um, and rulings to them, but when it got to a point to where there was. There was just somebody was coming up with like a fifty-eight page book. And I'm not and I'm not joking about that. It was about fifty-eight pages worth of ruling that needed to be done. And in, and it's understandable that when you make a group, that everyone should be able to understand, you know, what your role is, what you're supposed to do, you know, and as everyone starts coming together more of a family instead of friends, you know, you have each other's backs and there's no need to do all that nitpicking and everything else like that. And so when it started getting to the point to where I was in a group to where it was just like everything was just so rule-oriented, I was just like, these rules are ruining the whole enjoyment of the process. That's that's what it was. I mean, it it just wasn't too, uh, you know, I'm not saying that the Haunted Explorers are completely ruleless. I mean, we still have, you know, rules that we try to abide by, um, you know, but it was just, when it was getting to that point where it was just like, this isn't fun anymore because the politics of it are just creating more disaster than anything. I mean, and so that's what I wanted. I just wanted to get back into the fun of investigating, and that's why I created the Hot Explorers.
0: Can you give an example of some of the rules that you're talking about, just so we can have a guideline with, of what you guys mean by rules as opposed to what you're doing? Well,
2: there was, like, if you missed, like, even one or two meetings, you were automatically kicked out. Um, I mean, it's understandable, like, if we we all have our own personal lives. So, I mean, that's, that's always been from the get-go, from, from us starting, was the understanding that life, family life, jobs, personal responsibilities, those are always going to be number one. And then number two is when we can, then we try to get together and we do an investigation. And if we all can get together, then some of us can get together and go off and do an investigation. So um, we don't stick to just the whole team thing. It doesn't have to be 100% team-oriented. We can split off and all go do our own things under the hunting explorers, and then come back together, and we talk to the, you know, everyone, excuse me, everyone talks to the team, we share our adventures, and share our stories, we post what we find on the internet, you know, on our website. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just really just core function is just investigating, is what we do.
0: How do you get most of your investigations? Do you have a lot of people reaching out to you, saying, hey, I feel like something's going on, can you come out and take a look?
2: Uh, that's, part of it and then the other part of it is just us trying to figure out where we can go um you know aside from the fact that a lot of places just constantly keep asking for tons of money which is kind of hard like i said from us you know from the number one thing that we try to do is you know that your family and job and you know life comes first you know and and your finances come first so it's so from there, we, we had to plan out, you know, like, what, where's the money going to take us to get to a place, you know, and how, you know, and we try to make sure we work everything out.
0: Okay. Well, let me ask you this. So what's what, what are some of, you can just give me one or you can give me a couple, I won't make you narrow it down. What are some of the coolest places that you've been able to investigate that just stand out to you?
2: Um, just getting invited to, uh, you know, our most recent, we got invited to go do uh, the Railroad Pass Casino which was awesome. We were the first official group to, uh, you know, to officially investigate the place. Uh, you know, we've been to Mandalay Bay, the foundation room. That was an amazing place. You didn't think that things would happen there, but we did get evidence there.
0: You guys have some uh, YouTube yeah. footage of that too, correct? Yes. Okay, so where, how can uh, people see that if they want to be able to see some of the footage of you guys? Can you give your YouTube channel?
2: Yeah, just go to youtube.com slash the Explorers.
0: Awesome. What about this? Let me ask you this. So, we, so that's those are some of the coolest places. Let's talk about the uh, the, the railroad casino. I, I can't remember the exact name you gave to it. How old is it? Is that one of the real old casinos, or is it a newer casino? Um, what
2: is, yeah, that was one of the uh, one of the first older casinos that was built. Um, they kind of built it. Um, I think it was back in the thirties. In the thirties, when they were building the Hoover Dam, um, that is. That casino is actually holding the number one business license in the state of Nevada. Oh wow! When we're talking like number wise, that was there was one prior to that, and I, I don't know the name of the casino offhand, but they uh, they shut down, and now Railroad Pass that is the actual number one holder
0: what is the reason that that um the the hauntings are going on there is that they got like a mobster past or or what what seemed to be the uh, rumors that float around there
2: um i think the biggest thing was it it was built more or less for the hoover dam so you had a lot of workers um building the hoover dam so they needed a place to stay and eat and everything so you had you had quite a bit of influx of the workers out there you had some, some Western people, there were some foreigners that stayed out there, but um, a lot of it w-
0: was mainly built around that. So let me ask you this. That, me- that, that was the coolest place. What, what are some of the creepiest things you guys have seen, either as a group or individually, during your time of doing this? Anything just kind of jump out at you, so to speak?
2: Um, I think for me, I could say like the creepiest thing I've ever walked into, um, you've probably seen it a lot, it was the, the Clown Hotel. Yes. In, uh, in Toto-Bot. Toto-Bot. You know, I, I'm not scared of clowns, but, you know, you, you just walk into like a hotel and it's all a bunch of clowns.
1: So I, I just thought that was, I don't know, it's not my type of thing. You're not a clown person. <laughs> I'm okay with clowns. Not a clown hotel,
2: though.
0: Is that, uh, is that a place that you guys got to investigate or just something that you just on your own just kind of ran into? Uh,
2: that's actually located out in uh, Tonopah, Nevada. And, you know, we, we've seen it on TV a few times, and we wanted to go at least check it out. I don't, I don't believe that's someplace I would investigate. Um, you know, the options are still there. I think we would we would still do that if we were asked. But uh, something that's on the bucket list, I don't believe that one's on the page. No. <laughs> but they have the graveyard right next door to <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what about you other guys? You got anything that stands out to you?
2: I kind of like the... Uh, What's the place called, Aubert, Aubert Hill in California there? Oh, the, uh, it's Al- Albert Hill Elementary School in uh, Lake Elsinore, California. Yeah, that was actually a good one for us. I actually uh, pretty much got touched. All I felt was this really ice-cold, like, pan, and we actually had it on camera when we saw the little fingerprints on my back. yeah oh, there's a video of it on, on our YouTube page where uh, we've, we've gone to Albert Hill several times and it's uh, our second trip there. We were asking for the kids to come and go up to the chalkboard to do a little bit of homework assignment. And upon that time when we were asking them, Barad uh, made like a, like a ooh sound, you know, and we looked over at him. and He's like, something just touched me or pushed me. And we lifted up his shirt, and he has pretty much—you can see the outline of a little child's hand on his on his back. Oh, that is scary. Michael. It was ice cold, though. It wasn't like a hot feeling. So I just didn't know what it was for the moment there, until they showed showed it on camera. I was like, whoa! So that was pretty cool having a hand pin on my back. That's
0: that's always uh, that's always the things that freak me out the most when you see the videos of of when you, you feel something and you, you raise your shirt and there's a scratch or there's a handprint or something. That, those are the things that just make you feel like the, something's evil in the room as opposed to something, you know, just a regular ghost.
2: Well, when we've gone there, there's there's never been, like, anything that felt evil, but um, still on, one, on Essence, there's, like, the local kids or whoever you want, I don't know who it is, or adults, have been doing, like, their own fake, satanic stuff within the school. Um, so who knows, you know, what they brought forward or, you know, or summoned or, you know, so there's been times that we were in there and there's been some really weird stuff that's happened. And it's you, you don't know if it's accounted to something that they did or, you know, or maybe just residual haunting that's there. But, you know, you always just try to, you know, make sure you're – you're, you know, you're well protected when you're out there as well. Don't forget, there's a lot of bats too in that place.
0: Uh. <laughs> yeah, bats always make things much creepier. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: I got a quick question for each one of you, and we'll start with you, Stephen. Okay. If you could investigate any place in the world, money wasn't an object, you could just go and set up and investigate. What would the place be for you?
2: Um, like one, of the, like one of my biggest places I'd love to get to is. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of this. It's an old tuberculosis clinic, but it's, uh, what's, what's that name? Waverly Hills. Yes. Yeah, Waverly Hills. Yeah. There was no money, you know, money was an option. I would love to just go to Waverly Hills and just spend the night there just hanging out, investigating. Um, it just, just seems like that place everyone's getting activity when they go there and I would just, it would be a dream for me. I mean, that or. Or Myrtle's plantation. I would just, I, you know, I. If somebody said, you know, uh, you know, give give me your arm, and I'll go. You know, I'll I'll give you my arm so I can go to that place. I mean, that's that would be huge to
0: go to the place. We've actually done shows on both of those, and as far as uh, Waverly, I am sitting right now about an hour and ten minutes away from Waverly. And used to live in Louisville, where it's at, and I actually have spent the night in there that's cool yeah wow it's, wow. it's uh I got some cool pictures that's I'll nice. have to send to you guys from that we that I snapped up there but uh yeah it's a it's a really cool place and uh actually, if you listen to uh the podcast we did on waverly uh we actually uh actually got a little sexual activity going on up in there, so in the morgue <laughs> in the morgue, so a few people can say that but uh, <laughs> So, what about you, Tim? What is uh, what's your one place if you had a choice?
2: Well, I, I guess it's um, it's a toss between two of them. I, I will have to say Myrtle's Plantation. Um, my wife, who's also on the team, she's not here either. Uh, everybody's at work except for the three of us. Um, Myrtle's Plantation is the biggest one, and also I want to go back to Australia where um, I did Maitland gout Prison. Oh, that's and interesting. That, that one, that one, I would rather prefer. I would rather go to just because. The time that we went was during an Australian parathon and we kind of got, you know, free roam of the prison, but um, it was kind of locked down between, like, 50 people, and I, personally, I'd rather do it with the, the finalists, because that was a, uh, that is a pretty haunted place there. i see, that's,
0: I'm glad you brought that up, because we actually have a lot of Australian listeners, and I've been trying to come up with some show ideas for some of our listeners uh, overseas, and uh we're doing one next week on the japanese forest uh for our japanese listeners and then we're going to do one in australia and i've got a couple of, of our listeners that were coming up with ideas but that sounds like a pretty cool idea on on a show by itself oh yeah definitely all right last but not least Murad, what's your place
2: actually you, you actually said it, it was in japan the haunted forest no that's kidding. one of the main places i would always love to go uh, Naka, Nakatomi? Is, I didn't know. What is the name? Um, I've seen it a few times. I can't think of the name of it, but it's the forest that... Uh, the suicide forest? Yeah, suicide forest. That's the name. Then. Okay. And then Gettysburg. Uh, I don't know. The, the whole suicide forest thing. You might go in and knock them out. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's yeah, I don't know. <laughs>
0: It's funny when you get to, to, when you can get a microphone in front of you and talk to people all over the world. I put something on our Facebook page about doing a show next week about the suicide forest. I get a listener from Australia send me a message and say that her brother has actually been there and was telling me things about this that I won't go into detail about because she told it to me in private. But, how How cool is it that you can put something on Facebook and fifteen minutes later you got a listener halfway across the world talking about she's got a relative that's been there and then giving you details about a place that's just that's cool It's unbelievable what the internet is able to do for people now that's
2: amazing, yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, wow. Guys, I appreciate you giving me some time today. I know all of us have busy lives, and, and we'd, all, we'd all love to be able to just do this for a living and, and not be able to do regular jobs, but we know that's not reality for most of us. Um, yeah. But, but yeah. That, that does bring up an interesting question, though. A lot of people see the big Ghost Hunter shows on TV, and we all know the names. I'm not going to throw all the names out there, but you see all of them. What do you guys know about that lifestyle? I mean, these guys for the most part, most of them still have regular jobs and stuff, just the same as you Am I correct?
2: Yeah. um, A a big thing with all of those shows, you know, they're they're doing uh, like most other paranormal investigators would do is they're spending, you know, hours upon days, you know, investigating a place because everybody knows you just can't walk up into a place and get something it's not everything's on command um i will tell you though too as no as well as i do it's a lot of tall so most of the stuff you will see on there is probably not real
0: yeah we we had that situation like i said i was tied in close with uh um a lot of the louisville stuff and like waverly when ghost hunters came there uh and and did their show i mean it was it was common knowledge that some of that stuff was was set up and uh, it kind of sucks and and to be honest with you and i and, and it's not against anybody because i love what you guys do and I love what people go out and do I just have a hard time watching those shows and I used to love those shows but you know now it just seems like they're more theatrics than they are of reality and it's like you said you know you, some of these shows are 24 hours and some of them are they stay for 48 hours and what but you know it's like you said how much can you really get to really prove anything in that time and it, it's just amazing somebody can walk in spend a night and they got all this stuff on tape and I don't know it's just it, it really is hard to believe I'm not going to say it's all fake because I don't I'm not going to say that just because that's not fair to them uh, of any of these shows. But it is kind of hard to believe you can just walk in, spend a, spend one night and get all this footage, enough to make a whole show. And it's just, you know, I've seen enough to where I know that's not necessarily how things work.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right about that. But, you know, some of the shows that if they spend, you know, a day or two, and sometimes they may film for a week just to get all that footage. Um, you know, some days you may not have any activity. I mean, some other days you may just have Way too much activity that you know, all you can do is just squeeze it in for 30 minutes. Um, I mean, for what we do, we've we gone to a bunch of places where we've had no activity at all. And when we go back, you know, three months, a year later, all kinds of activities happen. So yeah. You do have to throw in things for, for your rate.
0: It's amazing, but you know you're right. I mean, it's it's a it's hit or miss most of the time. So, guys, yeah. tell tell my listeners out there how they can uh, get in touch with you, how they can follow you. I know you've got a bunch of social media. What's the best way to get a hold of you guys?
2: Uh, the best way we have our website, theHauntedExplorers.org. Uh, once you go to that page, all the links to our social media is on the top right hand side. So we have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube. We got the YouTube. We also have a store on there got an online store so if they want to pick up any shirts uh, they've got that as well Um, they can send us by by email um, which is info at hauntedexplorers.org uh, another way to, to get a hold of us uh, another thing we, we do want to put out there we don't do any home investigations um, it's very rare that we do them I and if we were to do a home investigation it's typically only for like somebody close because uh, too much liability um, it's it's kind of too much time to to work with somebody trying to find out if they're, if they're loony or if it's a real thing that's happening and it's just something we're not currently interested in right
0: now uh, I can definitely yeah. understand that I mean it's, it's- uh, there's a lot of people out there with a lot of loose um, loose heads, we'll say. And, and you can't always believe everything that's going on. It's, it's a sad world we live in, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Guys, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, I, I know my listeners are going to love hearing from you. And I appreciate it. And uh, I'll definitely keep following you guys.
2: Awesome. Thank, thank, you. thank you for having us. Don't forget to subscribe and like us on YouTube.
0: <laughs> Abso- absolutely. Everybody go out there. Remember, just Google uh, the Haunted Explorers. I know when you Google it. Uh, most of that stuff including the uh the youtube stuff shows up uh so and, and they do got a pretty cool looking logo so i'm sure their their merch is actually pretty damn cool too thank you guys so much and uh be looking forward to talking to you in the future all
2: right thank you very
0: much all right so those were the haunted explorers like i said we'll probably hear from those guys down the road uh we wanted to read a story now this is i saved this one for last because this is actually pretty cool Josh Hopkins, Hoskins, not the guy from Cougar Tennis. Josh Hopkins, Joshua Hoskins from Portland, Michigan, sent us this, and he's, you know, basically, I'll, I'll let his words do the speaking on it. He said, "Hey guys, my name is Josh, and I found you about two weeks ago. I listen to you every day while I'm working. I don't normally send messages, but I listened to your sleep paralysis episode last night, and actually had an incident. I've had several times before, but this one was a little bit different." When I have an episode, it's usually I can't move anything and I feel awake, but I'm watching myself sleep from the side and a black mass floating over top of me. And Sometimes I see a smile looking down at me at the, as I'm sleeping or awake with a grip over my mouth so I can't move my mouth. Last night, it was different altogether. It was me sleeping, then feeling the heavy pressure of my whole body and unable to move anything, but I could open my eyes. I did, and I was looking directly into the eyes of the black mass. And again, the hand over my mouth to speak, I saw the smile, and it seemed to last forever. All of a sudden, I hear, You leave him alone. It was not my voice. As I looked to my left, I saw a board or something swing towards the mass. I felt a strange sensation on my nose, and the mass struck and dissipated. I felt free and I woke up, got my bearings and was like, okay, that was a new one. Well, here's is something that really put this over the top. I felt my nose start running really fast. So I ran for a tissue in the bathroom and looked in the mirror and it was bleeding all over the place. I thought dry air or something, but I could not get it to stop. I kept putting the tissue in and, and it just wouldn't, you know, kept going anytime. That it did stop, it would start right back up again as soon as I dozed off. This continued all night until the sun came up, and it just stopped right when I said, out loud, I'm going to the hospital. Now again, I've had several episodes with sleep paralysis since high school, and if the nose bleeding hadn't happened, I wouldn't have given it a second thought. This afternoon, I remembered hearing your episode yesterday, and I thought, what the hell, I'll see what he says. So thank you for your time and I hope I didn't ramble too much. I love your show and I'm a bald man too, so we have that in common. The struggle is real. <laughs> Best of luck to y'all and uh if y'all know have any questions, feel free to reach me, Josh. Josh, that is one screwed up story.
1: Yeah. I can't I'm, I cannot even imagine what you must go through. I mean if it's happened all these years. Well, I don't. I don't even know what to say about that. I just. I. I want to say I feel bad for you because I can't imagine going through that. And you. I mean, you really don't know what to expect
0: next. Yeah, I mean, it does sound like you have a guardian angel though, so that's a positive.
1: That's very true. So. That's
0: if you want my advice. That's what it sounds like. I would say somebody's kind of looking over you, and uh, that would explain the the board or something flying. Uh, that would also explain. Um, you know, the voice that wasn't yours telling you to leave you alone. So I think that's pretty cool. So I think you're probably in pretty good shape.
1: Well, let's, let's hope for no more incidents that get any worse than that. But I'm like Jerry. I think you have a guardian angel looking over you. And um, thanks for sharing that story with us because that that's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, we appreciate that. And, and we thank you for listening, and we're glad you found the show. Uh, spread the word to all your friends. So with that being said, we're at the end of the show. This is the part where we shamelessly ask for uh, – you to give us itunes reviews uh this has been an awesome week we've already you know last week's episode beat the wind one before that and the one before that we're cruising right along you guys get all the uh, glory for that because you're the one spreading the word and listening and and uh, uh we greatly appreciate it but the itunes reviews help us as much as anything so if you could please keep doing that uh, we do appreciate We've gotten some awesome donations over the past we week, sure week have. and a half. Thank we we used uh, some of that to buy a microphone that we are currently using. So we've got a new mic already. We've got a couple other pieces to get. So hopefully the sound quality continues to get better. Uh, but we appreciate you guys. And, uh, you know, thank you for the donations. Thank you for the T-shirt sales. Uh, of course, you can go to our website, uh, com, and you can either donate if you so like. So if you can't, hey, we completely understand we're still going to keep doing the thing. And uh, if you want to buy a T-shirt and represent, uh, we got some pretty cool-ass designs, and I'll probably be putting some more on there in the next week or two of uh, some new stuff. But once again, thank you to all of you. Thank you to all of our military and uh, military all over the world, no matter what country you're standing for. uh, We appreciate you, and thank you for making our world safe.
1: Just remember, y'all have a great week and love one another.
0: Yep, and we will see you guys next week.
1: Love you guys.